This is the Daily Signal podcast for Wednesday, September 16th. I'm Rachel Del Judas. And I'm Virginia Allen. Today, we welcome Ambassador Carla Sands, the U.S. Ambassador to the Kingdom of Denmark, to the show to discuss the important role Greenland plays within the U.S. Arctic policy. Greenland is a key partner both militarily and economically, and we discuss the ways in which America has taken important steps to strengthen the U.S.-Greenland relationship over the past several years. Don't forget, if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Now on to our top news. History was made at the White House on Tuesday at the signing of the Abraham Accords between Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain. President Trump hosted the foreign ministers of the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on the south lawn of the White House for the signing. The agreement establishes diplomatic relations between Israel and the two Arab nations, meaning that they will exchange ambassadors, form a trade relationship, have direct flights between the countries, and agree to work together on a number of policy initiatives. In a video statement, Netanyahu called the agreement a massive turning point in the history of Israel, as well as the history of the Middle East. Sitting in the Oval Office, President Trump spoke with the press and the United Arab Emirates foreign minister about the significance of the agreement. So in 72 years, they've done two agreements, and we've done two, as you know, in a period of a month. And I will say, because of your leadership and because of the fact that you are leading the way, we have many countries in your region, in your part of the world, that will be very quickly signing up also. They, frankly, would have been here today if we wanted it to happen. But we'll be uh, signing others. And this could really lead to peace, real peace, in the Middle East for the first time. We've taken a very different path. Uh, you could say it's a back door, but I call it a smart door, not a back door. I call it a smart door. And this was... Uh, a vision that I had a long time ago, and we had some incredible representatives. I want to thank everybody here because your representation was brilliant. The city of Louisville is agreeing to a substantial settlement in the case of Breonna Taylor's death. Taylor was killed in her home on March 13th by police as they were searching her home, having a search warrant for a drug case. Both Taylor and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were asleep. Taylor's ex-boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover, was a suspect in the search, ABC News reported, and was arrested 10 miles from Taylor's home that night. After law enforcement got to Taylor's residence, they fired 22 bullets into her residence, ultimately killing her. The city of Louisville announced Tuesday a $12 million settlement to Taylor's family, according to USA Today. President Trump said on Fox News, Fox and Friends Tuesday, that a COVID vaccine could be coming very soon. We're doing good, and we have a vaccine coming very shortly. The vaccine's going to be here very soon, and we've already got therapeutics with remdesivir and, and other things, the plasma. We have, uh, you know, we've had a tremendous uh, number of people that get better now that didn't get better uh, three months ago. Trump said that he is not pushing for the vaccine because of political reasons, but does want the vaccine fast. I've speeded up the process with the FDA. They've been great. Uh, Dr. Hahn has been great, the head of the FDA. Uh, Alex Azar has been fantastic. You know, it's, it's been uh, incredible what we've done because we're going to have a vaccine in a matter of 
uh, a matter of weeks. It could be four weeks. It could be eight weeks. But we're going to have it. We're getting very good results, and it's really looking good. And they're great companies, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna. We have a lot of great companies. It's not just one, and they're all doing really well. It's going to be soon. Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, was asked about the likelihood of a vaccine being ready before the end of the year on CBS's Face the Nation on Sunday and responded, I cannot say what the FDA will do, but I think it's a likely scenario and we are preparing for it. The Department of Justice has opened a criminal inquiry into the book of former National Security Advisor John Bolton. The department is looking to see whether or not Bolton's new book, The Room Where It Happened, a White House memoir, includes illegal classified information, the Washington Examiner reported. Before its June release, the Trump administration had tried to keep Bolton from publishing the book. More than 1,600 ballots from New Jersey's July primary election were just found in a mislabeled bin. The ballots were found at the end of last week and have now been counted but did not change the outcome of the election. Marge McCabe, the Board of Elections Administrator, said, the Board of Elections is confident that all ballots received have been processed and the security of all the ballots has remained in place. Dave Yost, Ohio's Attorney General, is joining a group of Attorney Generals to ask Netflix to remove the controversial film Cuties from its site. In this era where we are fighting a seemingly never-ending battle against human trafficking, this film is counterproductive. It whets the appetites of those who wish to harm our children in the most unimaginable ways, Yost said via Cleveland 19. Yost is joining efforts with attorney generals from Florida, Louisiana, and Texas. I vehemently oppose the continued streaming of the movie and request that it is voluntarily moved, Yost said. Cuties, a French film, is now available on Netflix and has been criticized for its hypersexualization of young girls. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Ambassador Carla Sands, the U.S. Ambassador to the Kingdom of Denmark, about America's relationship with Greenland. Conservative women, conservative feminists. It's true, we do exist. I'm Virginia Allen, and every Thursday morning on Problematic Women, Lauren Evans and I sort through the news to bring you stories and interviews that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women. That is, women whose views and opinions are often excluded or mocked by those on the so-called feminist left. We talk about everything from pop culture to policy and politics. Search for Problematic Women wherever you get your podcasts. We are so pleased to be joined by Ambassador Carla Sands, the U.S. Ambassador to the Kingdom of Denmark. Ambassador, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for finding interest in what the United States is doing um, in the Kingdom of Denmark, in the Arctic, and in Greenland specifically. Of course. No, I find this topic so fascinating. And I think it's something that, you know, a lot of Americans are, are curious about, but just maybe don't know a lot about. So like you say, we are today specifically talking about the Arctic, talking about America's Greenland policy. Uh, and, and when we say the Arctic, we're referring to those eight different nations that parts of their countries make up that whole Arctic region being Alaska, Canada, Denmark or Greenland, Iceland, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia. So uh, Ambassador, to begin, I think it'd be really helpful if we just took kind of a 10,000 foot view. 
And if you would just begin by explaining a little bit uh, about why Americans should care about what is happening in the Arctic. Okay, thanks. I'll do that. So I have been uh, the U.S. ambassador to the Kingdom of Denmark since 2017. And the Kingdom of Denmark includes Denmark. And many Americans don't know, it also has the Faroe Islands and Greenland as part of the kingdom. And they're semi-autonomous, these other two countries. And Greenland is the world's largest island. It's off of the northeast coast of the U.S., so about 1,600 miles from Maine, where if you look at Los Angeles, is about 3,000 miles, so not that far from our northeast coast. It's part of North America, and it's, it's about a third the size of the continental United States. The part of the land that's not covered by ice is bigger than the state of California. So this is a really enormous island with about 56,000 people. So it's very sparsely populated. And it's, uh, it's been the work of my embassy in Denmark, in Copenhagen, to do outreach to the Faroe Islands and also to Greenland and to make a relationship with the entire kingdom. That's what we do. We represent the American people every day to all of these folks. This year in June, June 10th to be exact, we reopened our consulate in Nook, Greenland for the first time since, well, in 67 years. So it's been since the 50s that we actually had any kind of a presence on the world's largest island that is our neighbor. So it's, I feel like, like Secretary Pompeo said when he was here in Denmark recently, we've been asleep at the wheel in the Arctic. So it's really wonderful for the American people to reconnect with Greenland. And we work very, very closely with the government in Copenhagen, Denmark, in everything we do, because the two um, powers that rest in Denmark for Greenland are their security and their foreign policy. That's wonderful. I mean, that goodness, that's a long time to go not having a real presence there um, in in that region of the of the world. Uh, explain a little bit about what has changed since you took your position as the ambassador of Denmark in 2017, and America has really begun strengthening those relational ties. Well, I think that. Some of the changes are certainly there's more opportunity there because of the changing situation in the Arctic. Uh, we see an increase in buildup, military buildup in Russia, and that demands attention by the United States. We also see that um, China had, has exported its values to other parts of the world. And so Greenland being our neighbor and the Kingdom of Denmark being our very close uh, partner and part of NATO, it's important that we make sure our neighbors are prosperous and secure. Prosperous nations are less vulnerable to malign influence. So you mentioned uh, a little bit of that, that military presence and the importance of uh, of Greenland really being, you know, a strong in some ways um, um, ally in that region, and it, it is, as you say, it's so close to Maine. So, can you just tell us a little bit about what, um, relationally, in a military sense, Greenland's relationship with America looks like right now? Do we actually have a military presence or base anywhere in Greenland? We do. So, America's most northern base, and it's 
It's in the, in the Arctic region. It's called Thule Air Base, and it is a purely defensive base. And it benefits the United States, so the people of the U.S. It also benefits Greenland and Denmark, and of course it's part of NATO, so it benefits NATO. Uh, but Russia, on the other hand, has offensive capabilities on its coast. They have now over 470 points of militarization. They've refurbished old Cold War bases, and they've reopened new bases as well. Russia even has missiles on their icebreakers. So the United States is rightly concerned about this militarization. Wow, yeah. No, you don't hear, I feel like you don't hear too much about that um, in the news. So that's that's fascinating to know that Russia is uh, has that kind of strength in that region. So as, as we think about kind of moving into the future, um, what in your mind is so critical about America continuing to strengthen those ties with Greenland and specifically around the topic of growing military strength? Well, I think that, as a matter of fact, I would like to talk about how do we help countries around the world be strong and be <laughs> resilient in the face of that kind of buildup. And, and I will say that it is about cooperation and extending a hand of American friendship. And we've done that with Greenland. Working with Denmark, we have uh, created opportunities for especially our state of Alaska which has many similarities to Greenland. They have similarities in culture, in language, in peoples, and also in resources. And the state of Alaska has very successfully built a sustainable tourism uh, industry. They have been able to mine sustainably, and they've had trial and error. So they've learned through practice how to get these things right. And so we also have um, uh, a very strong national park system in the United States, including in Alaska. And we are looking forward to sharing some of our experiences with the Greenlanders so that the Greenlanders can build a sustainable economy that benefits the people in Greenland. Well, and that economic strength is so critical. Not too long ago, America gave Greenland $12 million for economic development. Can you explain uh, America's economic relationship just a little bit further with Greenland and, and why their economic development is really critical for America's interest? When I first met with the Greenlanders when I came to the Kingdom of Denmark to represent the U.S., I asked them, and my team asked them, what are your hopes and dreams? How can we cooperate with you? And they told us that they would like to have better education for their people. They would like to have sustainable tourism. They'd like to be able to have successful mining industry and also to have better fisheries management and to deal with some of their social challenges. We have similar social challenges in some of our small communities in Alaska. So we created a plan, basically, to cooperate together, and we do this all over the world, sharing our experiences, and we're looking forward to sharing through this uh, package that has been created by the United States government, and this has bipartisan support in Washington. We have tremendous people from commerce and from um, energy and energy and natural resources at the State Department as well, and folks here in Copenhagen and in really all parts of the U.S. government looking at this and saying, how can we cooperate with our friends to build a secure, 
and, and uh, sustainable economic success with our neighbor. And we, we're very excited about this, this partnership. The fact that we have been able to reopen our consulate and be able to create this package in co cooperation with Greenland and Denmark, it says a lot about our relationship with the Kingdom of Denmark and how close it is. We are very close uh, uh, friends. We, last year, the U.S. was the biggest export market for Denmark. So you can imagine we're a, a big economic partner, but we're also the security um, uh, partner of Denmark's choice. They always say the United States is their partner. They're part of NATO, an original nation. And so looking at, um, looking at this relationship, this is, what, uh, this is what friends do with friends, and we have done this all over the world. That's wonderful. I'm curious if you wouldn't mind just sharing uh, a little bit of history around the closing of the consulate, and then what was, what was that push to then say, okay, now, now is the time that we need to reopen? Well, so the consulate was there from 1940 to 1953, and we had a pretty big presence in Greenland during the Second World War. When Denmark was occupied by the Nazis, um, the then ambassador from Denmark suggested that the United States secure Greenland and make sure it didn't fall into Nazi hands. So the United States had a very big presence, about 5,000 servicemen and women during World War II. And at that time, there were about 20,000 Greenlanders. And we created a lot of friendship during that period. In fact, when you fly to um, airports in Greenland, every one of them that I've gone to has a museum of American military and wonderful photos and mementos and, and great stories about uh, scientific cooperation and also our security partnership in that part of the world. It's really wonderful. That is wonderful. That's so lovely that they have that and such a testament, I think, uh, to that lasting partnership between the two countries. Now, Greenland did uh, get some press in the news last year when um, President Trump made a comment about his desire to, to purchase Greenland. And uh, I thought the country had a great response with you know, saying Greenland is not for sale, but they certainly are open for business. And, you know, many do feel that it's only a matter of time before Greenland may end up becoming its own sovereign nation. If and when Greenland does end up separating from Denmark, how do you think this would affect America's relationship with Greenland? Okay, well, that's a lot to unpack. So let me start at the top. I think that the president is a big thinker, and he's an outside-of-the-box thinker, and that brings out unique things. But he's <laughs> also the third U.S. president to make the offer to buy Greenland. So I think other presidents have looked at Greenland and said, we need to make sure that Greenland is secure because it is our neighbor. When we think about Greenland, the number one thing that we want to see is a prosperous Greenland that is secure, where the increase in the economic growth goes to the people of Greenland, that it benefits them. We want to see that investment that flows into Greenland is transparent that it's according to the rule of law, that, um, that investors uh, invest according to the international rules or international norms. We've seen investment into other small economies 
where it has been destructive when it's authoritarian nations investing with debt diplomacy, like the People's Republic of China have done in other places. And so I know that Greenland is anxious to develop, but I also know that um, the United States and Denmark want to be sure that it's done in a way that benefits the Greenlanders. Of course, of course. Thank you for explaining that. What would you say in the immediate future are some of the things that you're most excited for for Greenland, whether that's you know, their uh, economic development or just different plans that they have to expand tourism? What are the things that you really have your sights on for Greenland in the immediate future? So in the immediate future, it will be the things that are um, have the, the, the smallest lead time. It's the fact that USAID is going to do an analysis to see how can we cooperate best. And then the um, IVLP teachers, they were asking for help with education. We've already had, uh, sorry, Fulbright scholars go up and, um, and work with the, the young people there to help them with English language uh, capacity. And so that's been a great cooperation with the Fulbrighters. We will ha shortly, Corona has really the virus has really slowed down our progress in our cooperation, but we will shortly have um, uh, exchanges with our National Park Service and their folks that run their parks. They have a couple of UNESCO World Heritage Sites, and they want to be able to welcome uh, Americans and, and have this, uh, the, the, the infrastructure in place that they can support tourism to diversify their economy then the longer term goal for them and one of their biggest wishes is uh, to build out their, their minerals extraction, to be able to uh, mine their rare earths, for instance. We've seen where the People's Republic of China has threatened the United States not to sell us rare earth minerals. They process almost all the minerals in the world. And that kind of threat, it, it, it actually uh, is a national security threat because um, American cell phones have rare earths, our electric car batteries have rare earths, also our defense equipment have rare earths. And so we want to make sure that we have a secure supply chain for things that are necessary um, for our normal modern life. That's so critical. Ambassador, before I let you go, I want to ask, you know, I think so many Americans have Greenland on their bucket place, the places that they want to visit. It's such a beautiful, beautiful landscape. Where, where is your favorite place to visit in Greenland? What should I have on my list? There are floating icebergs in the Alulasat Harbor that are just extraordinary. If you can get a boat ride to go out and see those beautiful icebergs floating, it's magnificent. And it's, there are colors you've never seen before anywhere in the world, I think. You might also see whales when you go on a boat in Alulasat. But the entire island is so diverse, has so many different beautiful places to visit. And I think that my favorite visit was when I visited the scientists up at Summit Station. And it is very cold there, but it's also a very unique place. We have American scientists from some of our finest universities studying and doing research on the Arctic and on climate. Some, sometimes I meet three generations of researchers at one time, and that's, that's very special. So we have a great legacy 
of science uh, cooperation in Greenland, and we include the Greenlanders in this cooperation. So it's one of the wonderful places where we have a wonderful partnership with the Greenlanders. But I think if I were going to, um, to sort of frame our cooperation and our friendship with the Greenlanders and the entire Kingdom of Denmark, I would just say what we want is a secure and sustainable future for this beautiful kingdom. We want prosperity for our neighbors. And we have a friend in Greenland and the entire Kingdom of Denmark. That's wonderful. Ambassador, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks, Virginia. It was great to talk to you today. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. You can find the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. Please be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with you all tomorrow. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.